Parkinson's, and we're very excited to add to our library of POP profiles today with Caitlin Nichols, a Scientific Affairs and Research Manager at All Stripes. Um, and our goal is to learn a little bit about her position and All Stripes and run through some questions um, and expand on our POP profile series. So Caitlin, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Margaret. Oh, sure. Well, tell us a little bit about All Stripes and their kind of overall mission and what you hope to achieve at, at All Stripes. Yeah, sure. So our mission at All Stripes Research is to unlock new treatments for people with rare disease. And this mission kind of came about uh, from one of our co-founders, Anno, uh, was diagnosed with a rare condition, NF2 or neurofibromatosis type 2, in his 30s, kind of out of the blue, no family history. Uh, and this condition actually causes tumors in your nervous system. And so he actually lost hearing in his left ear through this process. And um, he's a tech entrepreneur and was just kind of surprised and dismayed at sort of the siloing of data in rare disease and uh, really wanted to create a way for patients to be able to push treatments forward for their own condition um, from his own experience. And so he teamed up with our other co-founder, Nancy Yu, who was previously in corporate development at 23andMe and they founded All Stripes at the time was RDMD, changed our name. Um, and so what we do is kind of have a, a two-sided platform where patients can create an account, can authorize us to collect their medical records from all their facilities on their behalf. And if they want to, they can sign a research consent that allows us to do minimal risk research back into the medical records to understand symptoms, progression, um, things that are really helpful to understand the course of the rare disease. And so I help with that research process mm -hmm. and do is to help change the paradigm for researching rare disease so we can get more treatments faster to patients and families. Sure, and it probably empowers the people with the disease to be able to kind of be a component in the cure and in, in the research, that's wonderful. Absolutely, that's our hope. Yeah. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So I um, have always been interested in science. I majored in molecular biology in college at Brigham Young University and also did a minor in editing. And so have always been interested in how we help uh, everyone to understand science, not only scientists, but also uh, community members and non-scientists as well. And so then I moved on and did a PhD at Harvard University in cancer genetics. Uh, and so even though I, I focused in cancer, I also was involved in some other activities uh, during my PhD, including science policy and scientific writing. And uh, so then from that, I did a short-term position at 23andMe where I helped to uh, improve and create their health product. So for anyone who's a 23andMe customer um, on the health side, you can go in and see, you know, are you a carrier for a certain condition? And um, so that was a little bit more of my introduction into um, some of these rare genetic conditions and then came to work at All Stripes. Okay, um, you kind of led me nicely right into the next question. Um, how did you kind of get connected with All Stripes and what drove you, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what drove you to working in the rare disease community is a difficult endeavor. So what kind of drove you um, to work in that, in that space? Yeah, so I got connected with All Stripes when I was wrapping up my time at 23andMe 
Um, as I mentioned, our CEO was previously at 23andMe, yeah. and so our research director, Christina Cotter, had reached out and started to share with me more about the mission. And I have always been interested uh, in genetic disease, even though in grad school I focused in cancer. And so um, I was really interested in that at All Stripes were coming at it from a different angle. My previous work had been in you know, doing experiments or working with genetic data from patients. And All Stripes were really focused on using what's called real world data or data that's generated outside of a clinical trial. So for example, in medical records. Um, and I, something that drew me to the rare disease space is kind of a parallel to the cancer space. You know, we think of cancer as a very common condition as it is, um, but there's so many different kinds of cancer. And then within that, you know, one individual with pancreatic cancer may have totally different changes in their cancer that are, are driving it relative to someone else. Um, so not all treatments work for everyone. And um, both in my personal experience, as well as in my time in grad school, I was able to see, you know, the impact that yeah. Uh, a life-changing diagnosis can have on a patient and on their families. And so, um, you know, that is, is something that folks in the rare disease space experience as well. And so it's, you know, an amazing mission to be able to work with people who are so passionate and who are fighting for themselves and their loved ones. Um, it's really just a pleasure to bring my science background to help with that mission. Yeah, I bet. That's fantastic. Um, well, with the premise uh, that aggregated health data certainly helps facilitate drug development, tell me a little bit about how um, All Stripes works directly with the drug companies to kind of facilitate gathering the data, aggregating it, and kind of working with those companies. So talk to me about that relationship. Sure. So there's a few different things that we could think about drug companies um, needing this kind of health data for to inform their therapeutic development programs. So uh, for example, in rare disease, sometimes the symptoms and the progression of the condition really aren't that well understood because there are so few patients with the condition. And so um, from a drug company's perspective, say you're making a therapy for this drug, you'd want to understand you know, what are the most important symptoms that we would want our drug to alleviate for these patients. Is it seizures or is it um, other neurocognitive symptoms? And so when we go into the, the health data, that's one of the things that we can uh, help to collect is really, you know, what are these most important signs and symptoms and progression of the condition can help uh, drug companies to better design their clinical trials. Um, another thing that's important to drug companies is once they have this drug, how are they going to convince, say, Medicaid or Medicare or insurance companies to pay for it so that patients can actually have access? And so one of those things is just demonstrating, you know, our drug actually does work. And so um, having the data on, you know, how many times a patient is falling and visiting the ER as a result of that or other um, healthcare outcomes relative to folks who've been taking the drug to those who haven't been um, can help to inform those conversations with folks that are actually paying for the drugs. So that's one thing um, that we would use that data for with a drug company. And then another one would just be, you know, after a drug is already approved, there's a lot of post-approval monitoring that goes on to make sure that over time, the drug is still safe and effective. Or um, maybe in a clinical trial, folks were on, you know, a strictly controlled diet or other strictly controlled parameters for that trial. So does the drug perform well 
um, out in the wild with patients who you know, are in this carefully controlled environment. And so we can continue to monitor patients through their uh, health records in that way. So kind of from the beginning to the end of the drug development process, um, that aggregated health data is something that we hope and, and have seen can inform uh, therapeutic development. Yeah, would it be fair to say, um, you touched on so many benefits of this, but would it be fair to say another kind of ancillary retinafin is you're kind of um, negating a geography issue in that um, clinical trials are usually done in the clinic and there's not maybe not a handful of people with a rare disease in a specific locale. So you're probably combating some geographical issues just having this online platform and being able to aggregate it in larger geographical areas. Is that a fair statement? Certainly, I think that's very fair, especially in the time of COVID when you know it can be difficult for folks to access yeah. Um, their routine care, even, you know, traveling to a center of excellence could be yeah. uh, a very undesirable thing to do. Right. And so along with, uh, you know, mitigating that geographic factor, we hope that this can kind of, in some ways, uh, democratize or help diversify cohorts because, yeah. um, you know, folks who have the resources to travel to centers of excellence, for example, um, there are other folks who may not have those resources. And so being able to allow everyone to participate and really get um, more of a diverse cohort of patients, I think is something that can only benefit um, both the science and also just making sure that we're really uh, representing everyone in the community. Yeah, yeah, that's so wonderful. You're the, the kind of the core benefits and positives of all this are obviously wonderful, but to hear kind of some of these ancillary benefits of just having this platform in terms of touching different um, geographical areas, different uh, people with different means. So I think there's so many underlying benefits that that to this all too. So that's fantastic. Um, tell me a little bit, you touched on it in the beginning. Um, RDMD currently went through a rebranding and now you all are all striped. So talk to me a little bit about the reasoning behind that and uh, the excitement around it. So talk to me a little yeah. bit about the rebranding. Yeah, so I think one of the things that I just alluded to, this kind of inclusivity factor, um, you may be familiar with the, the phrase of all stripes, you know, people of all stripes. Mm -hmm. And so we really love that our new name kind of focuses on this diversity and inclusivity, both within the rare disease community, but also at the company. That's something that we strive for. Um, another thing with the name All Stripes, and some folks may not know this, I didn't know this until joining the company, but uh, the zebra is actually the global symbol for the rare disease community. Okay. And so All Stripes is uh, kind of a subtle nod to wanting to represent the collective strength of patients and families in the rare disease community coming together to help drive forward new uh, treatments. And so we're really excited to have a name that um, even more so underscores our commitment to the rare disease community and uh, you know, hoping to, to include as many people as possible to empower patients and families to drive forward treatments in their own conditions. Yeah, and I think inclusivity is so important, particularly folks with, the, with rare disease. I think, you know, uh, we all talk about cancer, which we should be. We all talk about maybe heart disease, which we should be, but some of these other things, there is a lack of inclusivity and it's uh, just as imperative to investigate. So um, I love the, the kind of theme of the inclusivity. So thank you for kind of outlining that. And that's an exciting time to, to kind of go through a rebranding and, and a great name. Um, 
Moving on, uh, working in the rare disease community certainly requires a certain passion. Um, there's probably a lot of errors and then you've got a great success and a lot of errors and a great success, right? So talk to me a little bit about uh, just the driving passion, the passion that All Stripes uh, exudes to work in this domain that there are a lot of, there probably are a lot of fails, but there's probably big wins too. So talk to me about kind of the, the underlying passion. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something I've been really impressed with in joining the company is the dedication to patients. Um, our number one core value at the company is dedication to the rare disease community. And there are within the company friends, people who have friends or family who are affected by rare conditions or even who are living with rare conditions themselves. And so it's um, something that's very present for people in the company. Kind of uh, on top of that as well, we have uh, monthly meetings that anyone at the company can attend with a member of the rare community or a leader of a foundation to really help us understand what they're facing, what their families are facing, and what are things that we can do to help kind of ease their path to you know, empower them in this journey to uh, increase therapeutic development and their condition. Um, we even uh, you know, screen for this when we're interviewing new candidates. We're doing a lot of hiring right now, and this is something that's very important is, you know, are we bringing on people who are really focused on the mission and focused on helping patients? Um, and ultimately, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, our mission is to unlock new treatments. And I think as we've all seen recently, you know, the incredible speed of uh, research and drug development with COVID, um, but then seeing that, you know, rare patients and families are living with sometimes life-threatening conditions every day. This is not something new for them. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think a lot of them are really hoping and pushing for, you know, we need more treatments and we need them faster. We need to change the paradigm in order to make that happen. And so it's very exciting for us to um, be at the forefront of helping to change this paradigm of empowering patients to help to push forward research and hopefully be able to just accelerate this as quickly as possible in, in the same way that we've seen in COVID in the last few months. Yeah, and I'm sure having a founder within the community, within the rare disease community helps um, you all continuously keeping your pulse check on folks because he himself is in the community and can kind of speak to it. So you're always, you're always connected to the patient um, and not far off, which is so important. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, well, talk to us about some of the wins that all stripes have had thus far. Yeah. So one of the things that I've been involved in in my time at the company, um, again, with patients being at the center of everything that we do, it's really important that we return insights from the research that we're doing to patients and to the community. And so um, we've been able to uh, already start returning insights back to patients. Uh, for example, in one of our communities last month, I participated in their family conference and was able to talk about some of the high level things that we've already started to find. Um, so it's, it's really exciting to be able to take it sort of from the beginning of bringing patients onto the platform, working with their data, and then saying, you know, here is the power of the contribution that you're making. Yeah. Um, Kind of going along with that, you know, we really want to make sure that the the data are being disseminated and that they're not being siloed. I think that's you know one of the reasons why the company was started is to right. help make these data accessible so that 
you know, we can push things forward faster. And so we've already uh, presented posters at four scientific conferences just this year, and we have another one coming up next month. Um, so that's really exciting to be engaging in the scientific community um, with researchers and physicians who are working on the front lines of these conditions. Um, another big one I would say is that we're engaging in research collaborations, both with foundation partners and with key opinion leaders in the space to answer important questions uh, in their conditions. So um, potentially having the impact of, you know, informing discussions with the FDA of, you know, you guys are focusing on these symptoms, but these other symptoms are actually really impactful to families and we need to focus on those as well. Um, some of these programs could uh, be included in potential clinical trial design in the future. And then we're also working in another program where we're hoping to help support a condition being added to newborn screening panels. And so that would be a really big way yeah. for us to be able to say, you know, if these kids can get diagnosed earlier, they can access resources and interventions earlier and that can improve their quality of life and the quality of life for their families. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, we're really excited to be collaborating with some commercial partners who are working on their own drug development programs. And we hope that those can help to benefit patients as well. That's fantastic and, and really exciting. And it sounds like there's some things in the pipeline we can all kind of be on the lookout for. That's fantastic. Um, well, what's the hardest part about working in the rare disease community? Yeah, I think so sort of going back to my roots in cancer, um, also my, my air purifier just kicked on here oh, in the fine. Bay Area. That's a you're bit of a issue. We're all working within the parameters of our situations right now with COVID, so you're fine. Thank you. Um, so, so going back to my roots in cancer, cancer certainly is a complex and diverse disease, but you know, we know what the readouts are. For example, is the tumor growing? Is the tumor spreading? Uh, but when you're dealing with medical records for rare disease, that some of these diseases can be so complex and so diverse that it can be really challenging to know what to focus on. Um, patients may have onset at different times and those patients may have different symptoms, different progression. Um, again, working in, in rare diseases, sometimes, you know, with just the, the small number of patients, it's kind of difficult to see what floats to the top as the most important things for us to focus on. Um, with, with that being a really challenging part, I think it's also really exciting in that there's so much for us to learn. And so as we you know, continue to push on these hard problems, that's another one of our core values is steering into hard problems mm -hmm. uh, that we can really move the needle in ways that haven't been done before. So it's very exciting. Yeah, it's probably um, with each, and I hate to say rabbit hole, but you probably go down several rabbit holes, but each one there's the potential for finding commonalities. So I'm sure there's, you know, while it's challenging, probably uh, not necessarily finding what you need down each hole, there's probably a lot of hope with each one in identifying maybe there is, maybe this will be it. Maybe we're, we'll find a commonality or something that kind of floats to the top like you suggested. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, the, the nature of of research is that, you know, we're doing things that haven't been done before, right. but, you know, some of these, um, some of the best scientific discoveries have come from total serendipity. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, that's, that's something that we, yeah. um, are already seeing in some ways, you know, things we hadn't expected floating to the top in the data. Um, yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah. And it's great to have that, um, mentality and that attitude that that's okay. Like we're in it 
And if we take those risks and if we kind of kind of think, be okay with thinking outside the box and maybe not getting there in different areas, something will, something will flip to the top. So I think that's a fantastic attitude to have that you guys are willing to kind of put yourselves out there to find the things that will float to the top because it has to be done for this, certainly for this community. Absolutely. Um, well, tell me what, where do you see All Stripes um, in a few years? What are, what are your hopes and goals for All Stripes in the next few years? Yeah, you know, I think our number one goal is to really make sure that our patient and participant community is engaged in the research and that they feel empowered and that they are really partners with us in our goal of unlocking new treatments. And so one of the things that we're investing a lot of resources in right now is not only returning insights, as I mentioned previously, um, kind of, you know, in a community uh, talk format or in, you know, social media posts, but how can we do this more in real time? And so we're uh, working on our platform uh, for example, now when participants fill out a demographic survey, if that's something they choose to do, and there's more than 10 people in their disease community at the time, they'll instantaneously get uh, feedback on, you know, here's what the rest of the community looks like in terms of, you know, gender and, and some geographic breakdown. Um, so we're really excited to keep pushing that forward to um, engage participants and, and help them to, you know, get insights back from the data. We are also really excited to bring on many more conditions onto the platform with, you know, 7,000 rare conditions. There's so much work that needs to be done. And there's so many communities, communities that could benefit from, uh, you know, us learning more about the condition and helping to power drug development. And so we really want to bring on as many conditions as possible. Um, kind of going along with that, some rare disease communities either you know the condition was discovered so recently or maybe there's so few patients that they might not have any interest from drug companies in creating a drug for them right now and so one of the things that we want to do in bringing together these cohorts of patients is we hope that that can help to spark interest on behalf of the drug companies to say oh, you know, there's there's data here, there's things we can do, let's investigate this. And so we're really hoping to kind of um, not just help diseases where there's already interest, but also some of these communities yeah. where there's not currently interest. Yeah. And um, and then we, we really wanna do high quality research and to share it back with the community. We're really looking forward to publishing our results with the broader scientific community, and then also translating those into uh, community-friendly insights so that, again, um, we're sharing back to the community and and helping to disseminate the data as much as possible. Yeah, you touched on some of, probably some of the responses for my next question, but it dovetails nicely. What are some of the benefits that one receives when they can, I assume, create an account and move forward and submitting their health data? What would be um, a benefit and what would what would be something that would prompt someone to say, yes, I'd like to participate this um, in this and move forward with um, all stripes? Yeah. So one thing uh, for anyone that comes onto the platform, any patient or caregiver uh, who signs up on one of our conditions is that our operations team will go and collect all of their medical records on their behalf uh, and digitize them. Sometimes, you know, they're already digital, but sometimes yeah. they're pages and pages of handwritten notes. Yeah. And um, so the patients and their families can have access to those records 
which, you know, in, in the case of rare conditions, again, with being so complex, sometimes they can have a dozen or, or more providers. And so it's um, a real value to some of these families to be able to help them manage their care. Um, we, we have an option that you can uh, have your care provider create an account and they can go on and look through your records. So to really help facilitate if you need to go see a new doctor, um, let's accelerate this process rather than, you know, that yeah. hospital has to call all of these facilities. Uh, and so that's a benefit to any patient who signs up, rather, whether or not they decide they want to participate in research or not. Mm -hmm. um, then, as I mentioned, you know, we're hoping to return insights back to the community, and that's something we're already doing. Uh, and so both um, you know, taking things that we presented in posters and making them more digestible in social, in social media posts and blog posts um, and in real time in the product, being able to start to see, you know, where do I fit in the spectrum of folks with my condition? What other symptoms are folks experiencing? Um, and then finally, you know, I think something that's really amazing about people in the rare disease community is so many of them are just driven by this altruistic desire. Of course, they want to find treatments for themselves or for their loved ones, um, but also they, they really want to help others. And so any knowledge that they can contribute can potentially help to, you know, make diagnosis faster, to uh, find treatments, to, to help folks get better management for symptoms. Um, and so, yeah, any knowledge that people contribute is increasing the likelihood that maybe, you know, researchers can find something that would help. Definitely. So two follow-up questions to that. Um, what has been the response to the physicians who've been um, requested or asked to uh, create an account and submit information on that patient? Have you received positive feedback and positive response from physicians? Yeah, so... Um, we, so there's two, two kind of separate parts. So when we contact facilities, we're usually dealing with their medical record office. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a, a routine process that they go through with, uh, you know, getting called by another provider. And so that's, for the most part, pretty easy. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say is um, for individuals who have passed away, uh, a former caregiver could also create an account on behalf of that person, you know, to kind of honor their memory okay. and contribute to um, study of that disease. And so um, in the event that, because, you know, facilities do have data destruction policies, yes. um, if it goes beyond, you know, 10 years in the past, sometimes it, it can be challenging to get the sure. records because they've been uh, destroyed by the facility. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but for, for folks who have invited care providers to create an account, I think the response has been positive. You know, that it's, it's a really powerful thing for clinicians to be able to see all these data and they're organized in a timeline. So, and, and classified by the type of document, um, cardiology, neurology procedures. So you can really kind of sort through in a way that you know, if a patient just brought a binder, here's, here's all of my records, it would be much more challenging to go yeah. through things. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, hopefully that's, it's been helpful to clinicians who are accessing that. Yeah. It sounds like it's a lot more malleable in terms of being able to manipulate data and move it versus a binder of paper where it's a little bit more stagnant and less um, conclusion finding. Exactly. Right. And then the other follow-up question 
regarding uh, this information, we touched on kind of time span. So if someone's hesitant to do this because let's say they've had the disease for quite a while and uh, they're they're worried that maybe five years of information would be too too long to submit. Talk to me. Are there any time restraints in terms, or you'll just take everything that you can get as far back as you can get it? Yeah. So usually for adult conditions, we're requesting. I'm not sure I understand. Oh, my watch is talking. Go ahead. Oh, you're fine. Um, we're requesting five to ten years before the date of diagnosis. Okay. Um, and so the, the nice thing about the way that the platform is set up is the patient could say, you know, I was seen at uh, Stanford Hospital, I was seen at MGH, um, and then we will call them and, and track down their specific doctor. So we really try to make the burden on the patients yeah. as light as possible. Sure. Sometimes our operations team will, will call the patient and say, okay, now there's two Dr. Smiths and you know, mm -hmm. help us figure that yeah. out. Help us. Um, sure. But yeah, and then the um, the other thing I would say is, you know, any any amount of data is is helpful. Um, of course, we want you know as complete of a picture as possible. But in the event that some data has been destroyed or you know there's mm -hmm. there's some things there, uh, it really is just helpful, you know, as, as much as possible. As we were talking about before, we never know what insights we might find, and so. Yeah. Um, yeah, for anyone who, who's interested, you um, yeah, point out that you know, just all of those things. Yeah, um, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I don't think I knew that you all did so much of the legwork, and it's nice to give the patients that information in terms of you're not you're not alone, you're not muddling through the system. You've got someone who's helping and reaching out to doctors, and almost your partner in this as you submit the data. So the fact that you guys have that. Uh, bench to support the people and support the patients who are participating is, is, is pretty awesome. Yeah. And we, that's, you know, especially we're all of our lives are, are so busy and then thinking about folks who are managing a chronic condition um, or, you know, being a caregiver for a family member, they, they have an additional burden. And so we don't want to add to that. We want to make it as, as easy, as simple as possible. Yeah, that's great. Um, we talked a little bit about geography, um, but talk to me about all stripes, just scope in general, because can anybody in the United States participate? Can anybody around the world participate? So talk to us about your, your scope. Yeah, so currently patients who live in the U.S. or Canada can participate. Okay. Uh, we also just received approval to expand our programs into the four nations in the U.K., and so okay. we're going to be doing that before the end of this year, which is very yeah, exciting. Awesome, yeah. And, you know, as, as you can appreciate the, um, the regulatory landscape and different countries rules around accessing data, around performing research with data can be very different. And so we do have to take it on a country by country basis. But again, going back to our value of inclusivity, uh, we're looking to expand to, you know, allow as many patients as possible who want to contribute um, to be able to do that. And so, yeah, we're, we're actively uh, hoping to expand geography. Um, for patients who are not in the U.S. or Canada or even in the U.K. now, they can create an account. We just won't be able to collect their records or to perform research on the records. Um, but creating account, an account is a good idea if you know, people are interested because then we can be in touch with them if we do expand into their country in the future. Okay. That's fantastic.
Um, well, for those in the rare disease community um, who want to participate as, as a patient, how would they get in touch with Allstripes and what would be the next steps that they should do? Yeah, so uh, patients could visit our address or uh, email or excuse me, our website, which is allstripes.com. Okay. Um, if they scroll down, they'll see a list of conditions that we are currently hosting on the platform. If the condition isn't there, uh, there's a link that they can click to get in touch with us to say, you know, here's my condition, here's my contact info. Um, they can also reach out to us over email at support at allstripes.com and a member of our community team uh, could reach out to them and either chat with them about bringing their condition on the platform or, you know, walk through the process with them over the phone. Um, yeah, and so we, we are, you know, definitely always looking to hear from uh, folks who, you know, maybe are wanting to get their community involved. And so anyone who's interested, again, could reach out to us at support at allstripes.com. We'll certainly put that information out there as well um, on our side. And lastly, I would be remiss to ask, is Parkinson's disease something that folks can, can submit data for being uh, Parkinson's driven in our world? Yeah, we currently don't have Parkinson's as a condition. We do have a um, Parkinsonism related condition, which is progressive supranuclear palsy. Yeah. Um, a lot of folks with that condition are actually diagnosed with Parkinson's or a Parkinson's-like condition before they're diagnosed with PSP. Um, that's a condition that we're working in, in one of our commercial partnerships with a drug company called UCB. Uh, to help support their clinical trial program. Um, but yeah, we're, we're actively looking to expand, especially, um, you know, we, with um, the, the population in, in the US and around the world that neurological conditions are really coming to the fore as important conditions to address for you know, the number of patients and the impact that they have yeah. on loved ones. And so, um, yeah, actively, actively looking in the realm for sure. Fantastic. We, um, we know a lot about PSP um, as far as um, it being so similar to Parkinson's. So we've, uh, I'm sure you all know Cure PSP and the folks who are listening know about Cure PSP. It's such people with Parkinson's should get to know Cure PSP and PSP in general because there's so many similarities. And to your point, so many people are misdiagnosed with Parkinson's and potentially have PSP. So um, I think if uh, people have Parkinson's, it's a good, it's a good thing to, to learn about because um, it's, we don't always get it right. Physicians don't always get it right the first time. So uh, I think this whole conversation proves that information is power and learning more about uh, kind of very similar diseases is so important too. So um, we'll make that note to, to our folks that um, there is a PSP component in your world as well. Um, well, Caitlin, I can't thank you enough for participating in the POP Profile series. And we thank you so much for your time and all the work being done at All Stripes. And we're looking forward to sharing more with our community regarding All Stripes and the work you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much. It's really been my pleasure. Um, it's always great to share more. And uh, yeah, thank you for everything that you're doing as well. Yeah, sure, thank you.